Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. And on this episode, I'm getting a little chilly, getting a little, getting a little cold. <laughs> why is that? I don't know. You're supposed to tell me why that is. <laughs> well, this week we are at Cracking Open Cryoblast, a double IPA from Night Shift Brewing in Everett, Massachusetts. Will there be cryo hops? <laughs> Will there? We shall see. So Night Shift was founded in 2012 by three friends, Rob Burns, Mike O'Mara, and Michael Oxton. Their homebrewing began in 2007 as a nocturnal hobby, becoming what they called their Night Shift. Oh, I get it. The three friends hoped to share something more interesting and flavorful than the commercial options on the shelves at the time. In 2012, they moved their hobby to a small Everett warehouse and officially launched Night Shift Brewing. Night Shift is an independent business. The three owners collectively own just over 80% of the business, while the remaining 20% is owned by close friends and family. That's cool, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting. Night Shift also does its own distributing, which they started out just doing by themselves out of a Subaru Outback in 2012. They say, quote, self-distribution taught us the importance of product quality, freshness, brand control, customer service, and high quality relationships. But they started to expand very rapidly. In fact, last year, they were on track to produce 30,000 barrels of beer, which is roughly 150 times what it made during its first full year of operation. Ooh. Yeah. It's a big expansion. (laughs) Uh, So this is why in 2016, they began Night Shift Distributing to offer a fresh approach to uh, Massachusetts beer distribution. Night Shift says, quote, our mission is to offer world-class selection of craft beverage options. We look to disrupt the Massachusetts wholesaler landscape by offering craft beverage producers a like-minded distribution partner. With the support of our customers, we can impact the direction of today's monopolistic Massachusetts wholesaler landscape and create something better for beverage distribution. End quote. That was a mouthful, by the way. Uh, (laughs) That's cool, but... I do also remember when we talked to the owner of Thimble Island, Mm -hmm. uh, how much he cursed self-distribution. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I guess it's a double-edged sword, to be honest. Mm -hmm. 
which is funny because we might be doing them next week. Ah. Anyway, so Night Shift actually distributes uh, for 20 other breweries throughout the state, in addition to moving their own portfolio of products, which includes beer, wine, hard seltzer, hard cider, and craft coffee. Their hard seltzer brand is called Hoot, um, which we had a couple different flavors of last summer that were delicious. Yeah, Hoot was pretty good. Yeah. We ended up getting their, the core mix pack and then like the tropical flavors mix pack. Yes. And I think the tropical flavors one was a very interesting. It was, there was like yuzu lime and like strawberry guava or something like that. Yeah. They, guava. they went, they went weird with it, which was yeah. cool and yeah. different. It wasn't just grapefruit. Which yeah. I love grapefruit seltzer, but. There's a bajillion, a bajillion grapefruit seltzers out there. Yeah. They got, they got unique. Their hard cider is called gold and delicious. <laughs> Get it, get it. <laughs> and they ah. and they source the apples from local orchards throughout New England to keep it fresh. I do like hard cider now. It's true. And I do like night shift. I'll have to keep an eye out for what? it. I haven't seen that one around. Um, and it looks like the wine is their newest project. They've been fermenting for a few years now, but just started bottling in 2020. Um, but they they went hard on it. They've got a red blend, a Riesling, a Chardonnay, a Brut sparkling wine, and a Rosé sparkling wine. Whoa, Night Shift, slow your roll, <laughs> man. <laughs> and then they've got the craft coffee for the quote-unquote morning shift, to which they apply the lessons that they have learned in the world of craft beer. It should be delicious and complex, but it doesn't need to be intimidating or pretentious. Both beer and coffee are fermented products with many overlapping flavor profiles from fruity to herbal to cocoa notes. And as with beer, freshness is paramount. So that's a bit about the brewery. Let's talk about the beer. Uh, So Cryoblast is a 100% cryo-hopped double IPA that's one of their seasonal rotations. It clocks in at 9% ABV (laughs) and, quote, delivers one of the most highly concentrated hop experiences we've ever made, says Night Shift. Quote, it smells like fresh grapefruit peel and lots of orange slices. Tastes like it smells with added hits of pine throughout. Sweet grain finish. Super round, super soft and super saturated. Tastes like it smells, they say. We'll see about that, I says. (laughs) (laughs) So Cryoblast is made with Cryo Idaho 7 and Cryo Equinot hops. I wonder if Night Shift uses Idaho 7 a lot because this hop was also in Fluffinity, Mm -hmm. the the one that we covered from them last year um, at back at the beginning of 2021. And Cryo Idaho 7, we've also technically talked about before in the episode about Cream by Tribus. I do love Cream by Tribus. Cream was fantastic. Cream Um, was the first introduction to Cryo Hops as well. Yeah. The Idaho 7 hop was released in 2015 and named for its home state, is a late maturing aroma hop that practically drips with juicy tropical and stone fruit. Um, Think tangerine, apricot, orange, papaya. And that aroma is supported by sticky pine and faint notes of earthy black tea. Idaho 7 is perfect for late additions, but also has enough alpha acids to work for bittering as well. And this makes it excellent as a single hop or part of a blend for IPAs, pale ales, and hop forward American wheat beers. Wheat. And then we've got Equinot Hops which used to be more commonly known as Equinox, but the name was changed due to a trademark dispute over the name Equinox. 
So Equinot hops were developed by the hop breeding company as a joint venture that started back in 2001 when the goal was to try and coax a higher yield than warrior hops, but to keep the warrior's high alpha acid content and gain some of the better traits from the wild father hop. So uh, warrior was the other hop that they crossed to get Equinox. Equinox a better name than Equinox anyway. It yeah. sounds like some kind of weird hop explorer. <laughs> Uh, like one, you put a hop in a scuba outfit and send them out. Uh, Thanks, folks. I'll be here all day. Yeah. Now I've got that image in my head. Anyway, <laughs> uh, one plant was selected for breeding in 2003. And when the hop was designated HBC 366, and that experimenting and observation continued until the hop's official release in 2014. Hops take a long time to release, man. Yeah, boy. Equinot is a distinctive aroma hop bringing notes of lemon and lime citrus, fruits like papaya and apple, as well as green pepper and herbs like sage or even eucalyptus. It's commonly used in American pale ales, IPAs, saisons, sours, and pilsners. And just as a quick refresher, both of these hops are unique because cryo hops offer a lupulin-enriched alternative to regular hops that are largely vegetal. Um, the advantage of cryo hops over whole cone or pelletized hops is that cryo hops enhance the flavor and aroma of a beer, and they also improve the brewing process. And that's because the brewers can create heavily hopped, super aromatic beers without losing the yield without with the hops soaking up the beer. Hmm. In one article that I was reading, cryo hops actually reduce the amount of hops needed in a recipe by 50%. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm a chew on a cryo hop. (laughs) I don't know if I'd recommend that. (laughs) I might recommend cracking open this beer, though. Uh, (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) Think you're clever. I do. Because you are. Thanks. No problem. (laughs) All right. Yeah. You ready? I hope there's no serving temperature instructions on this because we're getting cold. (laughs) These are some frosty cold beers. We actually froze our glasses this time. We are all about it. It's been a while. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> Woo. Getting, a, getting a little bit of that nice. vanilla. Oh, dang. You really went for it. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's we're not cheersing fit. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come to you. Cheers. Thanks. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. I just wanted to see if there, there was no sediment that I noticed. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. It's definitely very either. hazy. But I didn't see any sediment. It is hazy, but our glasses are also frosted. Oh, it smells like a creamsicle off the top. It's got a very vanilla ice cream kind of smell off the top. Oh. And about creamsicle, I can't really smell the 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 fruit. Really? I just really smell ice cream. Maybe vanilla mixed with something, but it's really indescript. For me, it's like straight up creamsicle smell. Anyway, let's dig in. Ooh. The digging you hear is our puppy trying yep. to dig the couch into the, get to the center of the earth. She can't <laughs> be stopped. She won't be stopped. So you might hear it on the edit. Yeah. Sorry about that. I shall attempt to wrangle. <laughs> it's definitely one of the strongest cryo beers I've tasted. Yeah. You can tell. Holy crap. Even with cryo. It's so that's, hoppy. That's strong. Uh, it's hoppy in a cryo kind of way. What's interesting to me is it's very... It is very hoppy, but it's not 
very bitter. I disagree. Well, it doesn't have a lingering bitterness. No, it goes away pretty quick. Yeah, as I would expect from a double IPA. Okay, I'll give you that. I will say it's more bitter than most of the other cryos we have. This is true, yes. It's also less vanilla than many of the cryos we have. Mm -hmm. Also true. A little disappointed in in that respect. (laughs) I think that's just what's going to happen when you have it as a a higher, such a high proof kind of True, that's true. When your ABV goes up. But you still get that creaminess, like we said, um, in the aroma. Yeah. It's still present in the taste, just not as much. Mm -hmm. The bubbles are really biting at your tongue, too, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Not a crazy amount of carbonation, though. There wasn't a huge head. No. Like a sweetness that comes out right at you. Yeah. It's not necessarily an artificial sweetness, although it might be an artificial sweetness, but it doesn't taste super artificial. No, it doesn't taste like the artificial sweetness that I usually associate with a double IPA where they're just like trying to cover up the alcohol content. Maybe they're just getting better at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say I do kind of disagree with their description of it being super round. I feel like this doesn't have a very round mouthfeel. Mm. It's soft ish. I don't think it's soft because those bubbles really bite you. Yeah. Then there's intense bitterness. Now, the only thing that I can think is that, like I said, this is a seasonal rotation and it is technically part of the winter rotation. So I wonder being that it is mid-April now, you know, maybe it was more fluffy in the can when it came out a couple months ago. You think we got expired beer? I don't think it's expired, but I don't think it's at its best. Yeah, this was canned uh, December 8th. 8th. It's only been four months, a little over four months. It should still be good. It should be, but we also don't know what what happened on its journey to the liquor store. Maybe it was- the temperature changed a couple times. Or... It does not taste or smell skunked, though. No, I think just no, this that's is true. The beer. It's just like a sharp beer. I feel like it's a sharp beer. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's expired. I just think it's sharp. And I don't. I don't. I don't think well-rounded is a good description for it. But I do like it. So sometimes the descriptions kind of get it wrong. I feel. Yeah. And in this case, it is. I feel well-rounded is a better description than saying a beer is sharp. But I feel like this beer is sharp. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know a nicer way to say it. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing because again, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's a different way to experience the cryo hops. Yeah, I don't think we've ever. I don't think we've had another beer yet where it is exclusively cryo hops. I mean, the sweetness is nice. It starts with a little bit of that cryo vanilla, but then it goes away, and you just get this. And I don't even know if I really get fruit. I just get these sweet resiny notes. Oh, I definitely get citrus. And then I get more vanilla, like, or more of, I don't know if it's vanilla, just kind of like a, hey, I just had ice cream backbone. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with the, the creamsicle. But with the creamsicle, you'd imagine you'd get, um, I don't know, with a creamsicle, I really picture orange. Yeah. You know, we've had creamsicle beers, but I don't really get orange. Do you um, get orange? I do. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Maybe mixed a little bit with grapefruit. I don't uh, yeah, I definitely can get some grapefruit out of it. I don't know if I get orange, but it's definitely not just grapefruit, and I can't pinpoint what the other fruity kind of flavors are, so you might be right. There might be some unknown citrus that is actually orange. <laughs> kind of hiding in Undetermined it. citrus. Because it's definitely not just 
grapefruit. It's definitely not papaya. It's definitely not passion fruit. Apricot. Definitely not apricot. When things have apricot, it's kind of impossible not to taste the apricot. In it's true. It's not peachy. Yeah. I will say this. It's not often you get a beer where you drink it and you're like, wow, this is strong. But is also still really drinkable. Yeah. Usually it's like, oh man, this was 9%. And you're just like, either A, you go, oh man, oh yeah, this is 9%. Or yeah. you go, oh, this is 9%. I can't even taste. It doesn't even seem like it's 9%. This seems like it's 9%, but it's very drinkable. It is. And I think that comes down to the fact that you get that ice cream note and the sweetness isn't super syrupy, artificial. Yeah. It's a little okay, heavy, so maybe crazy. Maybe they when they say well round when they say round it's like balanced it is balanced yeah but i think of balance as round as, as two different things which i'm pretty sure you're thinking of the same yeah, thing yeah yeah it's like not the word i would have flavor that flavors are feel nice in your mouth mm-hmm. almost they, they kind of like fill it out they all yeah I, fill it out compliment there's no sharp edges there's no ooh, ow ooh, ow ooh. it's like yeah. ooh but in this case it does go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. Mm-hmm. But. Like to me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, one of one of the beers that sticks out in my mind as like the definition of a soft, round beer is the um, single cut, the cat from Japan oh, or whatever yep. it was. That's a really well-rounded beer. Yeah. the We went to Two Roads yesterday for a membership event. We mm-hmm. had one of their experimental hazy IPAs. That wild was, yep. and hazy. Yep. That was a wet round of beer. Yep. That honestly is one of my favorite hazy IPAs I think I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Two roads, if you're listening, put that into your regular or area two if you're listening. Put that into your regular area two rotation. Oh show. It was awesome. But yeah, those are well rounded. And you can be not well rounded and balanced, which this is because I think it's greatly balanced with that super bitter note at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And those bubbles be biting. And then, yeah, it's still, it's very, it's like a fun experience in your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) And then it rounds, then it balances out with that sweetness that overtakes you and an ice cream kind of mouth taste finish. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I could say things better. (laughs) Words. Mouth things. If I could word better. (laughs) (laughs) Word. (laughs) But I also get excited whenever any of you breweries like our posts that we do for these episodes. It's always really nice. Yeah. To when you guys, you know, get like, like and comment back. We, we enjoy the, I especially when we get comments back. Yeah. Like you guys listen to the episode, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But back to the beer. Yeah. Actually, Speaking no, of- not back to the beer yet. Okay. If any of you breweries are listening and like our episodes, please get at us. We would love to talk with you. And obviously at your convenience, we'll figure out a time to either come to you or do a Zoom call. Um, True. Yeah. You know, we just, we would love to get like the brewers or wh- whoever's opinions and it's free advertising. It's true. <laughs> I'm about to have a whole lot more free time to be able to get all this done. It's true. But yeah, no, get, get at us. Let us talk. We've had very few people do that. I know Thimble wants to do that. We got to get with you guys at some yep. point soon. A night shift. This is our third or fourth night shift beer we've done on this podcast now no we've only done one we did fluffinity last year and then we had we tried the hoot like we mentioned like two or three different hoot. but we've had other beers by them yeah we just didn't do them on the cast no nope. oh wow 
Well, Night Shift, everything I've had from you guys is fantastic. Because since that oh, yeah. Fluffinity, we've had three or four well, Night Shift beers. Yeah, Fluffinity is one of their cores. Um, you don't have to name them. Whirlpool it's okay is another one that we usually see on tap at other places. Yep, we've had Whirlpool. Something 87. Mm, I don't know. That sounds like right up our alley since we were born in 87. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like Night Shift, and I know we've had a bunch since we did that first episode. I yeah. assumed we did it on the podcast. I'm no. surprised we didn't, but. Just the fluffinity. Until now. We, we've often had that owl symbol in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the seltzer, but even beyond the seltzer, just the beer. I think that's pretty cool. Like, they're a really good brewery. And yeah. this, this well, is like, you're on your way to Clean Mug Club. It's got to be both of us, like we said, though. Well, un- unless we specify. That's true. I got sediment. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. It's very thin, though. It's very light. It actually looks like mostly the lupulin, but I could be wrong. I was going to. Yeah. It's a very. I like, mean, theoretically, gold. it could be. If, it, if it's right? cryo hops, there should not be sediment because there's not that same vegetal content. It's only the lupulin, right? Yeah. So that's what this is. Mm hmm. Because it looks more powdery and it's actually kind of dissolves as I move it around. Yeah. Interesting. I like this beer. Once again, as it's warming up, I get a little bit different notes. Yep. The sharp bubbles are going away, but it's still not well rounded. It's a little bit more bitter now that it's getting coming to see a slightly warmer temperature. I don't know if me having COVID at some point a couple months ago really messed with me, but I'm getting the bitterness still, mm-hmm. which I got... But, even when it was cold, but I'm getting the bitterness and the sweetness merging a little bit more now as I get closer to the end. Oh, okay. See, for me, it the bitterness bitter, is kind of sweet. overtaking it's the sweetness. For me, it was. Oh it wow, was, really? For me, it was sweeter when it was cold, cold. But I think it was. I think we maybe served it overly cold in the frosted glass. Oh, we absolutely did. I think <laughs> that's why the bite and the carbonation was bigger than I think they had meant to make it. Mm. But you never know till you try it. And, that and you le- never know least- unless the breweries tell you the serving temperature. Oh, snap. But the other thing is that it is cool and probably advantageous to the breweries to tell you when their beer is best. Mm-hmm. It's cool to when we can drink them that cold and we can then wait and like cock and then drink them when they get la- that warm because we can give our experiences as it goes. And yeah. it's almost like it becomes a different beer as you go. It's true. Which I think is also really cool. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you, though, <laughs> but that's weird that we're having two different experiences with the beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, unfortunately, we both had COVID back in December, and I think. Oh, I, I know it still messes with some of my stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, see, I'm getting the bitter as it warms up, the bitter and the sweet. It's like I said, bittersweet. It's immediate. It's both at the same time. Hmm. I'm really surprised that you don't have the same thing kind of experience with it. Yeah, it's re- it, for me, it's not at the same time. What's nice is even though it's very sweet, but not artificially so, so it's fine. Hazy and obviously 9%. I don't find it filling. I really thought it no. would be at the beginning, but as I'm getting to the end, I'm not full. I'm not filled. I feel like I could have another beer. I could mm-hmm. have a soda. I could have food. Yeah, I, I, don't, can- I don't feel like this is weighing me down. Not at all, which I thought was going to be like when I first tasted it, I was like, this is going to be a beer that or like is a one and done. Granted, it should be a beer where you're one and done because it is 9%. So <laughs> drink responsibly. Yes. 
Uh, this is not a beer you keep going on, uh, which is when we alluded to the Area 2 event we went to yesterday. Because it's all experimental beers, they're all very high proof. Mm-hmm. So it's, you got to make sure that you go to Area 2 and plan accordingly. Yeah. Start with your your big drink and then work your way down. It's a good method. Although I still want to try <laughs> that Manhattan that they had. I didn't try that. I thought you had that when it came out as a pilot. I had the gin martini one. Oh. I didn't do the Manhattan. Okay. Alex did the Manhattan. He posted a picture of it. Okay. Manhattan is older. It's been around. Yeah. I missed the gin martini. It was not bad. But that wild and hazy IPA, experimental IPA. That was really good. It was so good. That blew my And the farmhouse one was really The farmhouse ale was awesome. Got some really good new, more beer-like offerings than they usually do. Mm -hmm. Since Area 2 is usually focused on sours. Yeah. It's nice to see them. Branch out. Yeah. Do like experimental IPAs and stuff like that. Because it, it still had this, it's called wild and hazy because I think it still had the wild yeast in it. Mm-hmm. So that gave it this interesting mouthfeel and backbone and just like overall flavor that I thought was really, really just phenomenal. Yeah. And I think it probably used its cloud source recipe as the base because mm-hmm. it was close to cloud sourced, but it was so much better than cloud sourced. And cloud sourced was my beer of COVID. It's true. We used to drive to to two roads and get like and the, do a pickup, the pickup and, we, and it would basically always be cloud sourced and the H2O sensors. Yeah. It's like 2020 was cloud sourced for me. Yeah. So very And we haven't gotten it since. I don't see it as often in the liquor stores anymore. I do. Do, do you? Want, you? Do you want me to, to pick it up next time I see it? Yeah. All right. Because I still like cloud source. I always get, or not always, but I often get a cloud source when we go to two roads. Yeah. And it's but. it's one of those, like, it's nice to always have in the fridge kind of thing. Like, we always try to have, like, Little Heaven or a Sea Hag or so, something, like, not crazy and for the podcast specifically, just, like, something that's enjoyable with food or after work. Something more crushable, yeah. Yeah. A little more crushable, yeah. Exactly. I think that... We're almost experiencing the same thing that brewers do. Because mm-hmm. I think Andy from, Do- formerly from Dockside, he's no mm-hmm. longer the brewer at Dockside. Now he's- He's now at Weeha. Weeha, which West is in Hartford. West Hartford. And the brewer who made Ice Cream Man- For Back East. For Back East is part of Dockside. And Ice Cream Man is phenomenal. And he's been making some great stuff at Dockside now too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Andy said was when you make, and I think Phil in- uh, Zoom conversation we had for our membership thing too mm-hmm. said, you know, when you brew for a living, when you come home, you don't necessarily want the crazy stuff. You'll open a sea hag, you'll open a little heaven, you'll open up those like more easy drinking beers. Mm-hmm. Even if you're making all those crazy IPAs, like you still want those easy, easy drinkers as well within your fridge. Yeah. I think we're kind of the same way because our beer is filled with obviously episodes worth of beer. And all the weird stuff because we like to experience beer. Yeah. But it's always nice to just be like, I just want a good beer. I want a sea hag. I want a little heaven, a little tug from uh, oh, Thimble. Oh, God, I miss little tug so much. Uh, You know, cloud sourced. These are the beers that, you know, or some of the Sierra Nevadas as well. Just like easy drinking beers. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have normal stuff every once in a while. Yeah. But then... You crack open one of these nine percenters and then you move on to those smallers or you do the smaller ones and exactly. then you move on to this after. Like, like literally my plan is to have a sea hag with dinner. 
<laughs> See, there you go. Because as great as beers like this are, uh, you got to kind of balance it out. You got to ba- balance it out with other stuff. Speaking of cryoblast. Yeah, let's talk about this can. can. So the can is really weird. <laughs> I love it. It's a wraparound label. It doesn't fully fit all around the uh, the tall boy. Mm-hmm. Like usual, like a stick on label. And it's weirdly, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it other than like Hannibal cut somebody into cross sections with these exact same <laughs> rectangular measurements in an episode. I was going to say it's very like geometric. It is geometric. Uh, it's like freezer panels, I guess. Yeah. Like it literally, it reminds me of ice. It's a white backdrop. And then you have these freezer panel, like different shades of blue. Yeah. I guess it could be like core samples from like the Atlantic Ocean or something. <laughs> Uh, uh, frozen in Antarctica, but you have these weird little like color variations. So it goes from light to dark, back up to light blue again. And you have these little rectangles, uh, bars going up the can all the way around. And in the middle, you've got the owl logo for night shift cut off by Cryoblast, 100% cryhopped IPA, Dippa, the DIPA, uh, up the center of that can. Mm hmm. Now, obviously, the shift logo, like I described before, is like this big fat owl that you would like to do a cave painting of. Pretty cool. Yeah, that would be really good. It'll, yeah, you're right. It does actually, now that you mention it, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but it kind of reminds me of the Simba. A little bit, but if it was an owl. Yeah. What's the Disney movie that had a big fat owl like this? Was it Sword in the Stone? Pinocchio? Was it? No, not Pinocchio. It's going to bother me. But was anyway, it, was it Sword in the Stone? I'm gonna have to look this up. Can, continue. <laughs> uh, it looks like that. It looks like the owl I'm thinking of. Wait, it was Sword in the Stone. Archimedes. Uh, and the night shift brewing, obviously, on the side. Um, a, it's like a dark blue panel on the side. It's got the barcode, the Independent Craft Brewing Association logo, yep, which is right. always nice. Yes, <laughs> Sword in the Stone. Good Archimedes. Job. I freaking knew it. <laughs> I know my King Arthur. Love you. <laughs> uh, so yeah he looks like Archimedes Cryoblast 100% Cryohop double India pale ale Cryohops Cryogenically frozen hop cones Offer extremely intense flavors and aromas Cryoblast features Only Cryohops Idaho 7 Cryo and Equinox Cryo Delivering one of the most Highly concentrated hop experiences We've ever made Government warning According to the Surgeon General Women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. Two, consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car or operate machinery and may cause health problems. Brewed and canned by Night Shift Brewing Company. Night Shift Brewing Incorporated, Everett, Massachusetts. One pint canning date on bottom. And that's all you got. But I mean, I can see why this stuck out to you. A, it's Night Shift, so we know it's good. Yep. And B, it said cryo. Which was like a bonus, like, all right, this is hitting all this the... Is, this is the one. Yep. Because we love cryo. Speaking of Tribus, if you're listening, bring back cream. I mean, come on. It was a collaboration, though. I don't care. So is, oh, yeah, babe. So is Geyser Goes. Why are my favorite so, beers collaborations? They are all collaborations. <laughs> the, oh, yeah, babe, as we, as I noted last time we went when we bought... Two more four packs of all yeah, because it won't be the last if they keep having it. Yeah. Uh, well, that was that was originally a collaboration between 
Tribus and a pizza maker. A restaurant, yeah. Yeah. So now it's listed on their website as just a Tribus beer. So I'm hoping that it's kind of a mainstay because it's literally one of my favorite beers ever. Um, but then we've got Bake Sale, which was amazing, but uh, was also sales. a collaboration. Oh, so good. Cream was amazing. Also a collaboration, I think, with Alvarium. If if I'm not Maybe mistaken. Maybe that sounds right. Um, they did a bunch of collaborations around that time. They did, yeah. So I think that entire pickup we had, which was also during the COVID times, mm-hmm. was all collaborations. Because I remember yeah. having two or three of those while I was putting together the deck for the summertime yep. that summer. Yeah, we did a lot of pickups from Two Roads and Tribus during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, Cerveza is coming back next week. <gasps> and there's going to be another Tribus pickup. <laughs> Mm. All right. So now that I'm getting to the bottom of my glass, I totally see what you mean. If there's not a sediment at the bottom per se, it's not like chunky. It is more of a powdery, like a yeah, thin it's gold powder. Yeah. If I got that now, then it I disappears s- as soon as I look at it. I seen it. Which is pretty cool. It is really cool. And now that the episode has ran. It's course a little bit long. Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be part of our empty mug club. It's just not well-rounded. It's good. It's not well-rounded. Your description is wrong. The description's wrong, but it's also extremely drinkable. Yes. I love these flavors. It's bitter and sweet with an ice cream backbone that you get from just cryoing your hops. Mm -hmm. Or that's Idaho 7 crops. Or hops. Yeah. I'm not sure. Idaho 7, like I said, was in cream, so. But if we had a cryo beer that isn't Idaho 7 where I've been, this is tastes like ice cream. Ooh, I would have to look back. You'd have to look back. All like, my notes. <laughs> is, it not, is it Idaho 7 hops that just tastes like vanilla? Or is cryoing your lupulin or your your hop in general? Does that t- tend to lend a lend creamier, a, a creamier yeah. vanilla ice cream kind of backbone to your flavors idk bro that's what i'm wondering but either way it's great because you get that you get the the sweetness mm-hmm. of a double ipa but not an artificial way you get the strength you taste that it's it's strong but and not in a <coughs> kind of way yeah and like you said it's drinkable but yet I think because you can tell it's 9%, you don't necessarily need like another one, mm-hmm. but it doesn't want you down to have a lighter beer right after it or before it, or then go move on to food. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great beer. Well-rounded in that regard, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> With a great flavor profile. And uh, yeah, that's what I got. Uh, clean Mug Club. Clean Mug Club. All right. Well then, thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it review it, share it with your friends, and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackemwhenopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackemwhenopen, or shoot us an email at crackemwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions, because we always want to hear from you. Whoa. Whoa. What else you got to plug? 
listen to Forgotten Cinema, a podcast with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about forgotten films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because the more popular movie was released at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience. In its initial run, we'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. That's available at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com because just like Rack I Want Open, we're all part of the Forgotten Entertainment Universe. Uh, <laughs> you can also uh, find me on Two Player Roads. It's an old podcast I did that's going to come back as a YouTube channel pretty soon. So check that out. And I've got audiobooks on Audible. Michael Butler, look me up. Uh, you can find me all over the place. I've got uh, Switch, Art Fart and Gangsters, uh, The Murder of Kelly Christopher, The Final Girl, Sour, Progressive Entrapment, Coffee at Midnight, Vacation Planet, just a whole bunch of different books. Uh, check those out. I don't make money out of them unless you guys buy them. It's a royalty share deal. So please buy them. Uh, I, I no longer have a day job, so I need this income coming in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Empty Mug Club. Woo, 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 woo.